Welcome to Beyond the Tools, the podcast that helps contractors attract more leads, grow their business, and finally get off the tools. In each episode, you'll discover marketing tactics that work. You'll get actionable insights from other successful contractors and connect with experts to help you grow. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, owner of a social media agency that helps contractors attract and convert more leads. Get ready to take your business to the next level so you can finally enjoy the fruits of your hard labor. Ready? Let's go. Hey, contractors, welcome back to Beyond the Tools. I'm your host, Crystal Hobbs, and today's episode is all about how earning your technician's trust will earn you market share. Our guest today is Aaron Salo, the CEO and founder of XOI Technologies, which is a complete curb-to-curb communication tool for technicians. What we dig into today are some of the day-to-day challenges that technicians face in their jobs and how a lot of the technology that already exists is about working on the business, but doesn't actually help to support technicians when they've got a challenge that they can't solve. Aaron talks about how better supporting your techs will ultimately improve productivity, their satisfaction, helping you to retain them more, provide a better customer experience, and ultimately grow your market share. This is a really impactful conversation and not a topic that we have really dug into before. So I loved hearing Aaron's insights on this. And I think this is something that can really improve your business. So let's head on over and chat with Aaron. Welcome to the show, Aaron. So excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. So I know what we're talking about today is really how earning your technician's trust can earn you market share. And I'm really excited to dig into that. But before we do, I am curious, what makes you so passionate about this industry? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So grew up in, in a bubble, I say, in a good bubble, I think, where everyone I knew, my grandparents were farmers, my dad was in manufacturing, aunts and uncles were all in the trades. Bubble that told me, hey, to earn a living is to do it with your hands, something you should be proud of. And I think that's a that's a good way to be brought up and, and something I still believe very deeply today. So everyone I loved and learned from that uh, in my life growing up did these these type of jobs. And, and I realized that they're also some of the best salt of the earth people on the planet. And so it gave me a deep passion for you know, what we refer to as blue collar people that that work really hard every day to make a difference in the things we all probably take for granted, if we're honest. And so starting a company to address some of the skilled trades gaps, gaps the issues, kind of something for the techs, the men, women in the field was something that, that was an easy passion for me because it was genuine. Yeah, I love that. And I know that, you know, talking about the skills trade shortage. We all know the challenges that come with that. And obviously, if you don't have the people, particularly the technicians, growth is extremely challenging. So as we're going into a new year soon, what are some of the specific challenges that you've been hearing? Like what's happening in the industry right now from your viewpoint? Yeah, specifically around technicians, I think, you know, more and more you're hearing about hiring for attitude, not aptitude. And, you know, I can teach, I can teach that side of it. I think the supply chain 
not only crisis uh, that a lot of people are talking about, but but also, you know, a lot of the SEER changes that are happening. A lot of the Department of Energy is rolling out these changes now every couple of years, a big one, a resi-like commercial coming in January. So we kind of have this interesting knowledge dissipation on both ends where we've got more retiring technicians than ever before, but the equipment's actually changing as well. So what knowledge is embedded in tribal knowledge inside technician sets needs to change as well because of those changing requirements. So it's an interesting time, you know, and certainly I think as people are also thinking about construction slowing down some, you know, there's a lot of backlog from what's been a pretty hot couple of years in terms of construction and that's getting that slowing and they see where that pipeline's starting to slow. So service is getting a real focus. We're hearing customers doing, you know, some commercial customers doing more in-house type stuff, starting to translate construction workers over to the service side. So those are just a handful of things that we're talking about with with customers today. Yeah. So I'd love to dig into a few of those things, but I guess I'll open up with what aren't we thinking about when it comes to the technicians' day-to-day lives? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think even within the industry in which we, you know, the the business owners, the service leaders that that run the technician groups, you know, a lot of them used to be technicians themselves. And I don't know if this is the nature of technology, the nature of the need. I could probably soapbox on my thoughts on it. But but the reality is the facts are the first kind of 20 years of staff, you know, software enablement and service technology or field service was field service management platforms that worked on the business. And what that means is, you know, we're service dispatch, we're doing inventory, we're doing, you know, labor rates, we're doing everything around kind of running the business. And the, and the interesting reality of it is that it, there wasn't, there isn't, and still today, in most cases, doing anything for the technician. It's, it's having them use something that a lot of times they're not a big fan of to go do the thing they really want to do, which is fix stuff, which is what technicians and people who work with their hands want to do. It's like, I didn't get hired in this job to play with technology all day. You know, certainly younger, younger generations are more adept to that, maybe more interested in that, but but a huge, you know, lion's share of guys and gals today just don't have that 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 mindset. So what I would say about the the broader technician challenge with technology and just overall is that we kind of underserved the moment in time in which they're doing what they're experts at, which is fascinating. It's like, hey, we'll wake up with you and tell you where to go. We'll dispatch you. We'll show you the address. We'll maybe give you some notes about the last thing. But once you get on the job to do the thing that you really are supposed to do, like figure that out. Call a buddy, call your boss, look up Google, wait on hold with no EM for four hours. and But but just figure it out, fix it, right? That's what you're supposed to do. And so it's it's interesting as we learn more about this curb to curb space, how how kind of broken the communication was there, how underserved the technician was there. And for us who started in smart glasses, we were, you know, we were a little too cute going, hey, technicians are gonna use live video from two thousand dollar pair of smart glasses. And we we're kind of violating our own core value, which is, hey, that's a pain in the butt. Like these guys have to charge it and connect it to a hotspot and it's do all these things that are that are too much. But if we wouldn't have done that, we wouldn't have learned so much about how little was happening <laughs> in in that curb to curb job site for the tech. And so that's what kind of got us to that point. We're saying like, man, this is the most important heartbeat of this entire industry. If we can enable technicians, enable contractors, it could be a really powerful thing. Yeah, that's so interesting and true. I mean, so when a technician gets to a job, there's obviously that challenge of figuring something out or needing to pull on resources. What are you seeing with 
successful companies that are better supporting their technicians. Yeah. So I think that, you know, what we what we're seeing and, and certainly the way that we've been able to work with folks is to say, hey, what are the things that technicians are are actually looking for most often? What's what's spending what are they spending the most time on? And what we found early on with documentation was simply IOMs, manuals, wiring diagram, and things like that. In fact, we we ran a study with one of our customers who analyzed every call that their technicians made when they had issues with a job site. So when there was an extended kind of service ticket or where there was a second truck roller callback, they did an analysis. And it was fascinating. Over three years, the average number of calls the tech made when they had an issue. Any guesses? It was way more than I thought. Five? It was. Five, which was high for I thought maybe two or three people they call. They called five fellow technicians when they had an issue. So voicemail, I'll call you back. Yeah, I've never seen that problem anymore. That's crazy amount of times, right? And so if you do that a handful of times, you've got five different people who are setting their tools down, <laughs> answering that call. If we're honest, talking about the game, right? Talking about whatever else and then getting into it. And again, you want to have that social fabric of your team to some extent, but that's also a lot of cycles happening every day. And a lot of times, it's, hey, do you, do you have that manual on that system? Have you ever seen this problem before? Or, you know, what do you, what do you think? And so fascinating data over a long period of time about how much that was really happening. And most people don't really know. They know generally like text call each other and that's fine. If they knew, well, God, those calls are hundreds a month sometimes. Maybe I could get more efficient in the midst of a skilled trades gap, right? By saying, hey, how about I give you that stuff a little bit faster? Yeah, we want you guys to be buddies. We know there's coffee time, donuts, whatever it is you do. But gosh, if we could call that down and get one more job done a month, that's pretty big for our business when we can't find people. So, so that's just one data set and one example. We also think about that video content, live video support, whether we enable our customers to do it. And there's other companies besides XOI that do that as well. So I think those are just some examples and some data that kind of give you a sense of how much opportunity exists there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that goes back to some of the things you've talked about before in terms of we've really been neglecting our technicians, but not realizing the bigger impact that it has on your business. So when you talk about earning your technicians trust, how does taking care of them really help to increase your market share? Yeah, no, it's great. Great call out. So I'll give you some more, some interesting kind of data around that and, and, and latter you as an example. So we launched a virtual mentor center for our customers in large part because technicians had this overwhelming feeling that if they were going to call their boss or someone that was in the organization that was going to support them, that it would somehow negatively impact their review or their ability to get a raise or whatever the case may be. They're going to think, I'm dumb. I don't want to call that. I'd rather call someone else. And so what we saw is companies that didn't get calls from the field at all to the, to the kind of embedded senior experts that would be in their offices to take calls, all of a sudden be calling the XOI Virtual Mentor Center all the time. Because they felt like it was a safe space because we would say, Hey, this is available to you, et cetera. And so what I've already seen is some of my customers going, Aaron, thank you for that service. I'll take it on now. Because what I've done is I've created a cultural shift in my organization where I said, it's okay for you to call. We encourage you to call. We want you to call because it's not going to impact any of these things. 
you're still going to get your raise. You're still going to have your bonus opportunities. And so it was a really interesting example of earning technician trust. Like, well, what, to earn trust, it must point to the fact that it's broken. I wouldn't say that owners are always know that they have an issue there. Even they earned to have that trust broken. But it's like a psychological thing for a technician to go, well, I'm sure if I call too often, they're going to think I'm an idiot and I don't want to do that. Right. And so that's an example of one thing where it's not, a, it's, it's earning tech trust to say, look, we want you to make the customer happy. We want you to learn. We want you to make sure you're effective. And you banging your head against the wall for three hours on a job trying to figure it out isn't, isn't going to help us do that. It's okay. You know, and in fact, some companies even incentivizing the call in a little bit saying there's a little extra bonus to this because that's how much we want you to know it's okay. Cause some people are like, really? Right. It's okay. Yeah. You can call in for help. <laughs> you know, so that's one example about earning market share because then you've got happier technician base, you got happier customers. I also think that contractors, so I know listen to this more than anything, can weaponize what's happening in that space to ensure that OEMs and distributors are earning their trust and their technicians' trust in the field. And thus, they will want to earn market share as a result. But the contractor owns the power to that. So when we talk to uh, big OEMs about what's missing, well, their four-hour wait times are not helping contractors and technicians trust them. Them having poor them them being so worried about the legality of an installation video workflow to not ever approve one, so that a technician can actually install something correctly, a new technician or whatever the case may be, that erodes trust. That erodes their market share. And so our message to them is, hey, if you want to earn this technician's market share, or this, these contractors' market share, you have to earn the technician's trust. Well, as a contractor, I should know that's the case and be able to leverage, okay, that's true. I have the buying power. I have the customer voice. I have the technician. And I should expect that if they want my business, I don't have to wait on hold for four hours. They're not going to lock down software. They are going to give me really good installation content. And so, so those are some areas in which that kind of earning trust matters across the ecosystem, you know, for the contractor and the technician. Yeah, that's incredible insight. And I think something that probably a lot of contractors aren't really thinking about. It's, I believe in the next 10 years, the contractors that set themselves apart will believe that their technicians and the assets they serve are a big unknown frontier and opportunity for their business that sets them apart in their marketplaces and sets them apart in terms of their growth path as an organization. The other onset of not supporting techs with good technology is that most contractors don't know their assets. At the end of the day, what I mean by that is they're asking a technician in a 130-degree heat index to type out, make model, and a 29-character alphanumeric serial number into their FSM. They don't do it because they're hot and they got eight jobs and dispatchers on their butt about doing the next thing. And then they go, hey, what assets do you service? How old are they? When are they going to die? And they go, asset registration is really poor. Why? Because we told technicians who are killing themselves in 14-hour days, take out those you know, big hands, small keyboard, <laughs> and go to CF, capital T, nine. And as a result, we don't know like, hey, What's our technician resumes, like digital resumes look like? Like we're doing super cool stuff with people now where we're saying, hey, Joe, 62% of the time is working on Linux, model number blank, carrier, model number blank. Joe's going to retire soon. So if we want to fortify what Joe's learning, let's train the rest of our team on carrier, model number blank, train, model number blank. That's what happens when you connect people and equipment. 
And so I think, I think again, back to the point, like the folks that own the technician experience, the, the tribal knowledge that exists there and understand their assets, again, where they are, how old they are, when they fail, why they fail, will have a huge advantage in the future because that's kind of really greenfield still. Everyone's got a field service management solution. Everyone's using some sort of software at some level, but those systems haven't solved for skilled trades, parts, assets, that whole thing that's plaguing us right now. Yeah. And that knowledge transfer obviously is so important with, as you said, you know, retiring technicians. And then we're also hiring people that don't have that skill set and training them up from the ground up. So you need something to be able to pass that information off. So when it comes to the technologies that you guys use at XOI, so how exactly does that work? What are some of the ways that you support technicians and the companies they work for? Yeah, so so I'll kind of give, you know, through the eyes of a technician what his or her experience is on, on a job site. When they walk up to a piece of equipment with XOI application on their phone or tablet, they take a picture of a data plate. Our system called Journeyman actually looks up, quickly deciphers that picture for make model serial number. And then in a matter of 30 to 45 seconds, our system identifies and serves up to the technician, the manual, the wiring diagram, any type of history, visual history on that unit. So I mean, just that serial number, but that model family as well, anyone who's ever worked in that model family within their organization, any service bulletins on that unit. And so again, we our whole thing in our product we talk about all the time is what is the smallest possible app from the technician with the biggest possible outcome? Well, what I just described to you typically takes, on average, in some of the studies we've done, 30 minutes on a job site to look up just documentation and find it. We just described asking the tech for one photo and 30 seconds, and that information is just there. And we had data science in the background kind of working and articulating all this data, always up rev controlling it, pulling it up and pulling it together. And so... If all that doesn't help them solve a problem or work through an issue, we offer a live video support to an expert on that asset because we already know which asset we're on. We can direct them to that appropriate expert. That expert supports them. We record those live video AR interactions, and then we push it to the next technician that takes a picture of that model family so they can learn from that. So we view live video AR as a means to an end, meaning the real solution here is self-serve diagnostic. It's taking the tribal knowledge that everyone has decades and decades of experience that we all hear folks talk about pulling it together into a digital smart format and ultimately giving a technician the opportunity to self-serve diagnose on anything that they're working on. And so all that uh, happens again with a picture of a data plate. That's step one, part one of a workflow. We then have workflows that dictate every other process and drives them through that they do, not just diagnostics, not just information, safety, sales, PMs, and the way we've done it is with this kind of new generation of, of young technicians in mind, meaning every step has micro learning to it. 25 to 30 second video clips. We kind of say, you know, we have a TikTok generation. If we put 52 minute videos, they're like, I'm used to seeing things quickly. How do I learn these things quickly? And so we're identifying opportunities. Say step one, here's a small video on how to do this. Step two, here's the wiring diagram. Show me that it's wired. And they're documenting every step along the way as well. So I think a big key to how XOI has been successful is that we're valuable to a tech and a company and a customer on every job site. So the episodic nature of really cool use cases like smart intelligence, like live video, anything you know IoT related, we can serve up those episodic rich use cases because we're building that trust with the tech every time where they're covering their butt, 
They don't have to type all that information. We handle their notes for them, et cetera, et cetera. So that's how XOI works to kind of build that trust by offering some relief of things they don't like to do every day, save them time for not looking for things, and then also deliver them assistance when they need it. So being specially designed for technicians sounds like a no-brainer that this would be something that would make their day-to-day work lives easier. But of course, change is hard. Nobody wants to do something new. How do you get your technicians to buy into the process? Yeah, it's a great question. So it takes, first and foremost, it takes strong leadership at an organization. We've learned that lesson, the hardware, the business, uh, the startup and now growth company that you know, when the perspective is, we just let guys decide what they want to do or not when it comes to technology. It's it, you can't be successful. I don't think in any technology deployment. The same is for the folks that went from paper to an FSM. You know, they didn't go invest in one of these big field service management solutions. They go, guys, if you still want to do your stuff on paper, you can. It's up to you, right? They said, no, hey, this is how we do business now. You know, and so so that's important piece, and that culture is important. It's not that they don't get their buy in. It's not that they don't get the why. It's not that all those things have to happen out of respect, and and it's how you should build a good culture. But when a business leader makes a decision to move forward with something their customers enjoy, then you move forward with it. So I think that's important key number one around change management. Number two, you know, we focus, we found some really interesting things. Great technicians care more about what the customer says about their work and about their use of technology than they care about what their boss hammers them and tells them to do. So what we've noticed as part of our platform that's been really successful is showing visual content to customers. That's a core piece of what we do. So we're like, hey, Mrs. Smith, this is what we did at your home. This is why we recommended a repair, whatever. Hey, facility manager Joe, this is what we're doing at your facility. This is why we did it. This is why we're recommending. Those customers love that transparency and trust. When they tell the technician, hey, I love that content. They're actually helping me justify this expense to my boss, kind of covered my butt. I appreciate you. That's going to get them to continue to rely on it more than their service manager going, hey, why didn't you use this thing? What's going on? It's like, that's annoying. Whatever, man. I got to go to my next job, you know? So that's, that's really important. And then I think, I think some of the other things that we see that we may not put on our website, but we tell technicians in training is cover your butt. The longer technicians done this, the more they've had the customer, he said, she said, you know, stories. It's like, ah, you left. I've heard all so many things like screws on the ground. My wife ran them over with her new SUV. You got to pay for my tires. Like I didn't leave screws in the ground, (laughs) you know, or whatever. I let the panel off, whatever. So just for them, it's a documentation thing too, where they go, hey, I'm not going to have that situation. So I'm going to show what this job set looked like when I got here. I'm going to show what it looked like when I left. And we're all in the up and up. So anyway. Just a couple of examples of how I think about change management and the things we've learned that are interesting about technician engagement. Yeah, that's incredible. And uh, I, I can see why technicians love to use it. So I'm sure anyone listening would love to learn a little bit more about you, Aaron, and about XOI Technologies. So what's the best way for them to connect with you? Yeah, yeah. XOI.io. And that's our our website. We have a ton of resources. We have an incredible marketing team that probably has 50 case studies in there and 50 videos and all sorts of content to learn more about XOI. Pretty heavy social media following on LinkedIn for sure, too. You can find us there. But yeah, love to have a chat if you think this is something we can try to help you with in your business. Amazing. And we'll put all those links and details in the show notes as well. So if you're listening, you can go to beyondthetoolspodcast.com to grab that and connect with Aaron. This has been super insightful. So I'm really appreciative of you coming on the show. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. 
Hey guys, if you love this episode, if you learned something here from Beyond the Tools, you can actually head to our website at beyondthetoolspodcast.com and you can sign up to get updates whenever we have a new episode. So go to beyondthetoolspodcast.com. You'll see the option there to sign up and we'll send you the new episodes as soon as they're released. 